chapter four of young people's treasury volume six famous travels and adventures by hamilton wright maybe this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by betty b amerigo vespucci's account of his first voyage from a letter of amerigo vespucci to pier soderini gonfalonier of the republic of florence magnificent lord the chief cause which moved me to write to you was at the request of the present bearer who is named benvenuto benvenuti our florentine very much as it is proven your magnificence's servant and my very good friend who happening to be here in this city of lisbon begged that i should make communication to your magnificence of the things seen by me in diverse regions of the world by virtue of four voyages which i have made in discovery of new lands two by order of the king of castile king don ferrando the sixth across the great gulf of the ocean sea towards the west and the other two by command of the puissant king don manuel king of portugal towards the south telling me that your magnificence would take pleasure thereof and that herein he hoped to do you service wherefore i set me to do it i made preparation for going to see part of the world and its wonders and herefore the time and place presented themselves most opportunely to me which was that that the king don ferrando of castile being about to dispatch four ships to discover new lands toward the west i was chosen by his highness to go in that fleet to aid in making discovery and we set out from the port of cadiz on may tenth fourteen ninety seven and took our route through the great gulf of the ocean sea in which voyage we were eighteen months and discovered much continental land and innumerable islands and great part of them inhabited as i said before we left the port of cadiz four consort ships and began our voyage in direct course to the fortunate isles which are called to-day la gran canaria which are situated in the ocean sea at the extremity of the inhabited west set in the third climate over which the north pole has an elevation of twenty seven and one half degrees beyond their horizon and they are two hundred and eighty leagues distant from this city of lisbon by the wind between mezzodi and lebecchio where we remained eight days taking in provision of water and wood and other necessary things and from here having said our prayers we weighed anchor and gave the sails to the wind beginning our course to westward taking one quarter by southwest and so we sailed on till at the end of thirty-seven days we reached a land which we deemed to be a continent which is distant westwardly from the isles of canary about a thousand leagues beyond the inhabited region within the torrid zone for we found the north pole at an elevation of sixteen degrees above its horizon and westward according to the showing of our instruments seventy-five degrees from the isles of canary whereat we anchored with our ships a league and a half from land and we put out our boats freighted with men and arms we made towards the land and before we reached it had sight of a great number of people who were going along the shore by which we were much rejoiced and we observed that they were a naked race they showed themselves to stand in fear of us i believe because they saw us clothed and of other appearance they all withdrew to a hill 
and for whatsoever signals we made to them of peace and of friendliness they would not come to parley with us so that as the night was now coming on and as the ships were anchored in a dangerous place being on a rough and shelterless coast we decided to remove from there the next day and to go in search of some harbor or bay where we might place our ships in safety and we sailed with the maestral wind thus running along the coast with the land ever in sight continually in our course observing people along the shore till after having navigated for two days we found a place sufficiently secure for the ships and anchored half a league from land on which we saw a very great number of people and this same day we put to land with the boats and sprang on shore full forty men in good trim and still the land's people appeared shy of converse with us and we were unable to encourage them so much as to make them come to speak with us and this day we laboured so greatly in giving them of our wares such as rattles and mirrors beads spalline and other trifles that some of them took confidence and came to discourse with us and after having made good friends with them the night coming on we took our leave of them and returned to the ships and the next day when the dawn appeared we saw that there were infinite numbers of people upon the beach and they had their women and children with them we went ashore and found that they were all laden with their worldly goods which are such like as in its place shall be related and before we reached the land many of them jumped into the sea and came swimming to receive us at a bow-shot's length for they are very great swimmers with as much confidence as if they had for a long time been acquainted us and we were pleased with this their confidence for so much as we learned of their manner of life and customs it was that they go entirely naked as well the men as the women they are of medium stature very well proportioned their flesh is of a colour that verges into red like a lion's mane and i believe that if they went clothed they would be as white as we they have not any hair upon the body except the hair of the head which is long and black and especially in the women whom it renders handsome in aspect they are not very good-looking because they have broad faces so that they would seem tartar-like they let no hair grow on their eyebrows nor on their eyelids nor elsewhere except the hair of the head for they hold hairiness to be a filthy thing they are very light-footed in walking and in running as well as the men as the women so that a woman recks nothing of running a league or two as many times we saw them do and herein they have a very great advantage over us christians they swim beyond all belief and the women better than the men for we have many times found and seen them swimming two leagues out at sea without anything to rest upon their arms are bows and arrows very well made save that are not with iron nor any other kind of hard metal and instead of iron they put animals or fishes teeth or a spike of tough wood with the point hardened by fire they are sure marksmen for they hit whatever they aim at and in some places the women use these bows they have other weapons such as fire-hardened spears and also clubs with knobs beautifully carved warfare is used amongst them which they carry on against people not of their own language very cruelly without granting life to any one except for greater suffering when they go to war they take their women with them not that these may fight but because they carry behind them their worldly goods 
for a woman carries on her back for thirty or forty leagues a load which no man could bear as we have seen many times them do they are not accustomed to have any captain nor do they go in any ordered array for every one is lord of himself and the cause of their wars is not for lust of dominion nor of extending their frontiers nor for inordinate covetousness but for some ancient enmity which in bygone times arose amongst them and when asked why they made war they knew not any other reason to give than that they did so to avenge the death of their ancestors or of their parents these people have neither king nor lord nor do they yield obedience to any one for they live in their own liberty and how they be stirred up to go to war is that when their enemies have slain or captured any of them his oldest kinsman rises up and goes about the highways haranguing them to go with him and avenge the death of such his kinsmen and so are they stirred up by fellow-feeling they have no judicial system nor do they punish the ill-doer nor does the father nor the mother chastise the children and marvellously or never did we see any dispute among them in their conversation they appear simple and they are very cunning and acute in that which concerns them they speak little and in a low tone they use the same articulations as we since they form their utterances either with the palate or with the teeth or on the lips except that they give different names to things many are the varieties of tongues for in every one hundred leagues we found a change of language so that they are not understandable each to the other the manner of their living is very barbarous for they do not eat at certain hours and as oftentimes as they will and it is not much of a boon to them that the will may come more at midnight than by day for they eat at all hours and they eat upon the ground without a tablecloth or any other cover for they have their meats either in earthen basins which they make themselves or in the halves of pumpkins they sleep in certain very large nettings made of cotton suspended in the air and although this their sleeping may seem uncomfortable i say that it is sweet to sleep in those and we slept better in them than in the counterpanes they are a people smooth and clean of body because of so continually washing themselves as they do amongst those people we did not learn that they had any law nor can they be called moors nor jews and worse than pagans because we did not observe that they offered any sacrifice nor even had they a house of prayer their manner of living i judge to be epicurean their dwellings are in common and their houses made in the style of huts but strongly made and constructed with very large trees and covered over with palm leaves secure against storms and winds and in some places of so great breadth and length that in one single house we found there were six hundred souls and we saw a village of only thirteen houses where there were four thousand souls every eight or ten years they changed their habitations and when asked why they did so because of the soil which from its filthiness was already unhealthy and corrupted and that it bred aches in their bodies which seemed to us a good reason their riches consist of birds plumes of many colors or of rosaries which they make from fish bones or of white or green stones which they put in their cheeks and in their lips and ears and of many other things which we in no wise value they use no trade they neither buy nor sell 
in fine they live and are contented with that which nature gives them the wealth that we enjoy in this our europe and elsewhere such as gold jewels pearls and other riches they hold as nothing and although they have them in their own lands they do not labor to obtain them nor do they value them they are liberal in giving for it is rarely they deny you anything and on the other hand liberal in asking when they show themselves your friends when they die they use diverse manners of obsequies and some they bury with water and victuals at their heads thinking that they shall have to eat they have not nor do they use ceremonies of torches nor of lamentation in some other places they use the most barbarous and inhuman burial which is that when a suffering or infirm is as it were at the last pass of death his kinsmen carry him into a large forest and attach one of those nets of theirs in which they sleep to two trees and then put him in it and dance around him for a whole day and when the night comes on they place at his bolster water with other victuals so that he may be able to subsist for four or six days and then they leave him alone and return to the village and if the sick man helps himself and eats and drinks and survives he returns to the village and his receive him with ceremony but few are they who escape without receiving any further visit they die and that is their sepulture and they have many other customs which for prolixity are not related they use in their sicknesses various forms of medications so different from ours that we marvelled how any one escaped for many times i saw that with a man sick of fever when it heightened upon him they bathed him from head to foot with a large quantity of cold water then they lit a great fire around him making him turn and turn again every two hours until they tired him and left him to sleep and many were cured with this they make use of dieting for they remain three days without eating and also of bloodletting but not from the arm only from the thighs and the loins and the calf of the leg also they provoke vomiting with their herbs which are put into the mouth and they use many other remedies which it would be long to relate they are much vitiated in the phlegm and in the blood because of their food which consists chiefly of roots of herbs and fruits and fish they have no seed of wheat nor other grain and for their ordinary use and feeding they have a root of a tree from which they make flour tolerably good and they call it ayuka and another which they call kazabi and another ignami they eat little flesh except human flesh for your magnificence must know that herein they are so inhuman that they outdo every custom of beasts for they eat all their enemies whom they kill or capture as well females as males with so much savagery that to relate it appears a horrible thing. End of chapter 4